Horse of a Different Color by Ralph Moody, University of Nebraska Press, 1968, Chapter 5, Old Man Macy's Steers. Well, Father, thank you for giving me time here in Michigan to pause and to uh, make sure that uh, I stay healthy for travel and that you're watching over uh, Oma while she's in Alaska. I pray that uh, the family would be uh, enjoying this day of rest and flourishing wherever they are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, with headquarters adjoining town and the railroad siding, I hoped to double my trading and shipping business. But to do it, I needed pasture space so I'd be able to buy any type of cattle and hogs I could get at a good price, then keep them until I had enough of some particular grade to ship a carload. On the Wilson Place, there was a 20-acre field north of the creek and 40 acres of Rich Valley floor to the south. But the fences were only two-strand barbed wire. The day I moved there, I made a deal with Bob that I'd pay three-quarters of the taxes and mortgage interest on the place and half the cost of fencing it with hog-tight woven wire. In exchange, I was to have year-round use of the north field and use of the south field until May. <clears throat> we were then planted in corn, sharing the work and dividing the crop equally. Loose hogs were still rooting in the corn piles and the hired men still loafing around the place. I suggested to Bob that he set them into repairing the fence the, to repairing the feedlot fence and said I'd pay half their wages until the end of the month if they'd fenced the two fields in a stack yard around the hay and corn piles. There's, there's no sense keeping them another day, he said, and I aim to pay them off tonight. You and me can do the whole daggone job without a lick of help. It won't take us scarcely no time to string up the fence, and we can do it in odd hours while we're buying feeder steers. I don't want to start buying feeders until the fencing is done, I told him, so I'll be able to pick up some shipping stock at the same time. Men are cheaper than interest, so hadn't we better keep them a few days? One could go to Overland for hog wire in the morning, while the other repaired the feedlot fence and dug post holes for the stackyard. Look, bud, he said, you don't need to worry none about me not pitching right into on the work. You go get the wire in the morning. I'll fix the feedlot fence and dig the stackyard post holes while you're gone. With posts already set around the rest of the place, it won't take the two hours of us. It won't take the two of us next to no time to staple up the hog wire. I'm going to Oberlin for groceries tonight anyways, so I'll pay the boys off and take them along. It ain't right to pay men off without you riding back to town. Right after supper, Bob drove away with the men. It was way past midnight when he came back, and at 4 o'clock in the morning, I left to get the wire. Bob had the biggest and showiest team of horses at Beaver Township. They were bright bays weighing a ton apiece, but were slow afoot, and it was well after 8 o'clock when I pulled into the Oberlin Lumberyard. How come you wasn't at the celebration last night? The yardman called. What celebration? I called back. The one Bob Wilson throwed over to Scott's pool hall, he told me. Bob, he sure must have a heap of dough on them cattle he shipped a couple weeks back. Won't let nobody else spend a dime, and he bought Scotty plum out of soda pop and near beers and cigars. I didn't want to hear any more, so I asked. Have you got a dozen rolls of four-foot heavy-duty hog wire on hand? You betcha, he answered. Bob, he gave me the order last night. Tells me you're putting in a 1,000 top-grade white-faced steers and 500 shoats. You got to fence the whole place hog tight and strong, bull strong to hold them. Bob, he sure is a big-time operator, and you're a lucky kid to get teamed up with him. Well, the more I heard, the less lucky I felt, especially when I found that the bill had already been made out to Wilson and Moody. I didn't bother to explain that there was no such firm, but paid for half the wire and half the other, and the, had the other half charged to Bob. 
When I got back to the Wilson place, Bob wasn't there. Only one post hole had been dug, and there was a drove of shoats rooting in the corn piles. For a moment, my temper flared hot enough to make my mouth dry. I started turning the team to drive up to the bank and tell Bones the whole deal was off. Then Betty May came running toward me from the house, singing out gaily, Hi, Balp! Give me horsewide! With that happy little face beaming up at me, I couldn't stay angry, and I couldn't go off and leave her. You wait right there so you won't get stepped on, I told her. Stopped the team and jumped down to pick her up. With her squealing, clinging to my back like a monkey and hugging me around the neck with both chubby little arms, I took her for a piggyback ride to the back door, put her inside, and told her, You stay right here, there till I come in for dinner. If one of those horses stepped on you, he'd mash you flatter than the grasshopper that sat on a railroad track. I'd unhitched the horses and was leading them toward the barn when I heard the chattering valves of the Buick behind me. The moment the motor stopped, Bob shouted, I sure got us off to a flying start this morning. I didn't look around, but he followed after me, calling out, Daggone, if, it ain't, if I ain't just stole us nine of the prettiest white-faced deers you've ever seen. Every one of them will scale mighty close to 735 pounds, and they're worth, worth leastways a dime a pound. But I bought them at 60 bucks a round. To keep any sound of anger out of my voice, I waited until I put the horses in their stalls, then turned toward Bob and asked, Where did you get the steers, and how did you pay for them? Didn't have to pay for them, he told me jubilantly. I got him off an old man Macy, and his stuff is mortgage clean up to the ear. All we got to do is tell Bones and sign up a note for the 540 bucks. Did you tell Mr. Macy that top-grade feeders were worth only $8 a hundred, I asked. Shucks, no, he laughed. The old geezers read the drover's news like it was mail from home, so you can't catch him up on much on the pound price, but he didn't know nothing about cattle weight. He hung out for an average of 800 pounds at first, but I kept on telling him they wanted to scale an ounce over 500, so we finally come together on 60 bucks a head. Bob, I said, there are a few things we'd better get settled before we go any further. Then after telling him where I drew the lines between haggling and cheating, I said, you've already earned the reputation in this township of trying to cheat on every deal you get into. Unless that reputation is cured right at the start, any man doing business alongside you will be tarred with the same stick, and I'm not going to get tarred. From now on, you'll make no deal that I'm in any way connected with unless I'm right there and agree to it. We'll do our buying and selling together until you try some, other, until you try some more tricky stuff. But the first time I try, I find you trying to cheat me or anybody else in this business, I'll pull out of it. Bob stood with his head down until I finished. They looked up with an expression of a little boy whose mother has told him he's been naughty and said, Daggone it, bud. I didn't aim to cheat the old man. All I'd done was tell him his cattle weighed less than what they did. But I savvy what you mean about them lines, and I'll stay inside of them if that's what you want. As long as we're doing this together, I told him. Now, let's go see what Marguerite's got cooking for dinner. During dinner, Bob acted as if he hadn't a care in the world. But after we'd eaten, he pitched into the post hole digging as if he expected to find a gold piece at the bottom of each one. I let him dig alone for a couple of hours while I mended the feeder lot fence to make it pig tight. Then we worked together, selling stout posts to enclose a one-acre stockyard. We'd stretched woven wire drum tight around them and were hanging the gate when Mr. Macy climbed out of his ancient top buggy on the road, at the roadside and drove nine steers into the dooryard. I needed no one to tell me that those steers were out of stock originally from the miner herd. They were as alike as if they'd been cast in the same mold. 
broad through the shoulders and hips, straight back, stubby legged, and deep in the brisket and buttocks, giving their bodies the appearance of being square. For a minute, I was at a loss for any way of paying the old gentleman what they were worth without admitting that Bob had tried to cheat him. Then an idea struck me, and I called out, Bob tells me he made a deal for these fellows at a dime pound. Drive him right back here to the scales, and we'll weigh them. The old man looked at me as if he thought I'd gone out of my head and said in a confused sort of way, well now, then stopped and began again, well now. Before he had a chance to say that the deal had been for $60 apiece, Bob broke in loudly, daggone, if them critters don't look a quarter again bigger, now I get up close, look at him at, look at him than what they did out in the pasture, Mr. Macy. Fetch him right back on the back to the scales. There's, there won't be no guesswork about the weight. What the scales showed was the unerring accuracy of Bob Wilson's eye. He had told me the steers would average close to 735 pounds apiece, and the nine scaled 6,598 pounds, just 17 off the mark. As the team hung teetering, I turned to the white-bearded old gentleman and said, Are these cattle mortgaged to the bank? Yes, he said. So the check goes to Harry. On the list Bones had furnished me, show him what I could pay directly to his borrowers for mortgage stock. The figure opposite Mr. Macy's name was 25%. As he turned away, I pulled out my checkbook and told him, wait a minute, the cattle are yours, the bank only holds a mortgage on them, and we have an agreement with Harry to pay you a quarter of the price in cash. He watched with trembling hands while I made him a check for $165, and then turned it over and wrote on the back, I hereby sell to Robert Wilson and Ralph Moody, Nine Hereford steers for the sum of $659.80, 75% to be paid from my account to the First State Bank of Cedar Bluffs. When I passed it to him, his hand shook so violently that he could hardly hold it, and his voice was unsteady as he tried to thank me. But he hurried back to his buggy, almost at a trot, and drove rapidly to, away toward town. Bob was, as obviously, was obviously as happy as I to see the old man's joy but I was sure that he felt no remorse at having come so close to cheating him out of more than $100. Remorse didn't seem to have, didn't seem to have no part in his makeup, nor greed either. I didn't believe his trickery was actually an attempt to rob anyone, but an effort to convince himself that instead of being a failure at business, he was smarter than the man with whom he was dealing. We'd been back at work no more than half an hour when Marguerite called from the kitchen doorway that Bones wanted to see me at the bank right away. When I got there, I found him furious at Bob. That man has no more sense of honesty or responsibility than a grasshopper, he stormed. I had an idea that you, your teaming up with him in stock feeding would be good business for all hands concerned. But there's no sense in either of us trying to deal with a man that can't be trusted as far as you could throw him. Do you know that he was over to Oberlin last night bragging his head off that he spent over $50 treating all the bums in town at the pool hall? Without waiting for an answer, he stormed on. Grandpa Macy was just in here, so broke up he couldn't hold still. He tells me Bob swore up and down that his steers didn't weigh over 500 pounds apiece, and that he'd have stolen them for $60 a head if you hadn't stepped in. Folks hereabouts know he can guess cattle weights right down to a T, and he uses it to steal from him. Given a chance, he'll cheat you or me or anybody else out of it in our eye teeth. I hate to foreclose on a man with a wife and a family like his, but he leaves me no choice. I wish you'd give him one more chance, I said. Then I told him about the talk I'd had with Bob that noon and said, what he needs now is for you to give him a rough shot raking over the coals. Bone sat listening glumly while I talked, and when I'd finished, he said, if you want to risk it, 
I'll go along for the time being, but I'll foreclose on him the day I hear of his pulling one more of these shenanigans. Then he cranked the phone and asked Effie to have Bob come to the bank right away. I love you guys.